What is up, guys? NFL football is upon us. You, of course, are listening to the Blake Pace podcast. And uh, starting off with a funny story. I was talking with my girlfriend the other day, and we were talking about the show. And she goes, yeah, you know, I don't get why you always start every episode by saying, welcome in to the Blake Pace podcast. I'm your host, Blake Pace. And I never thought about that. Like, of course, it's the Blake Pace podcast. Who else would be on here? So we're, we're not going to hear that anymore. But what we are going to hear is a lot of great football content. Uh, you know, we're back full into the season. Um, I enjoyed week one. You know, I, I enjoyed, I'm finally getting back on this schedule. I know I feel like I sound like a broken record trying to get this thing going, but it's it's been a busy fall covering, you know, the football beat uh, here at my school, doing a lot of editor work as well. Um, finally figured out a schedule that works to get these shows in, so we're going to get rolling with that. Um, we have a lot of great content coming up this week. I got two interviews today, one with a good friend, Jack Fitzpatrick, kind of recapping the last week in the NFL, and then another great uh, a conversation with you know a co-worker of mine, friend as well, football savant Kevin Haswell. We're kind of pre- talking about some of the bigger games next week and kind of how we see them playing out. Um, but, you know, just my, my brief takeaways – from the first week of the NFL. And it's interesting because we now live in a day and age where the NFL really is in its preseason right now. You know, uh, and of course, you know, it's it's called the regular season. We're in week one, we're moving to week two, but the NFL preseason has really just, it's turned into just a, a playing of backups. It's, it's getting to figure out the back end of your roster. We've had so many teams not even bring out their full starting lineups. I mean, the Rams' offense, the Rams' starting lineup didn't take a set of offensive snaps at all in the preseason. So, you know, when we're looking at these teams, my biggest point that I want to make here is that we're, when we're watching teams in week one, we're watching teams in week two, let's pump the brakes. You know, I feel like the biggest reactions I've seen from this opening weekend is there's a, it's a Buc- Buccaneers versus Jets Super Bowl. Two outlandish teams who came away with great week one victories against what some project to be good teams. And yet, since they won week one, oh, the season's over. We know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. It's Sam Darnold, Broadway Sam, and the New York Jets, and Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you kidding me? You know, my biggest thing is that I, I hate seeing reporters come out here week one. This, this team is destined for the playoffs. This team's going to make it to the Super Bowl after their week one performance. Are you kidding me? This is the preseason now. The Los Angeles Rams just went out there, not played, you know, a full preseason of action, and their offense came out the gate slow. A lot of these teams came out week one and didn't look like they were ready because they're not. They haven't played enough reps, enough meaningful reps to get ready for the NFL season. So when you've got teams that, you know, come out and, and just blow you away, you know, you like the Jets blowing away this, the the Lions. I'm not saying Sam Bradford had a you know is, is going to be a terrible quarterback. I'm saying that he played against a defense that's going under a ton of reconstruction, a new head coach, and you know he made a few good plays. I don't think he's a world beater. 
I don't think that this Jets team is playoff bound. I, I've seen so much of the the Jets are pushing for this wild card. Are you? Let's pump the brakes. Let's pump the brakes on the Buccaneers. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the guy this season for them. I believe by the end of the year we'll be looking at Jameis back into the lineup. You know, maybe for who knows how long, but he'll be in there. And then on the and on the flip side, let's let's pump the brakes on on you know panicking about some of these great teams that came out slow. You know, my pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl is the Los Angeles Chargers. And if you looked at them week one, they got their asses handed to them by one of my favorite quarterbacks in the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not worried. I'm not going to say that they're not going to make it far in the postseason. It's week one. They didn't have their best pass rusher, one of their better players. Everything isn't going to fit together in week one and show success from day one. There are teams that just take time to get out of the eight. The New Orleans Saints, perfect example. I believe the last three years have started 0-2 for the season. At the end of the year, they're contending for the playoffs. And, you know, last year they were in the playoffs into the second round as well. Teams come out of the gate slow. Teams come out of the gate hot. And I think you're seeing that with, you know, some of these teams with younger quarterbacks. You know, if you look at New York and you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they had dominant week one wins. Maybe because they threw everything offensively out there to get their young quarterback confident. They threw all these specific designs and they really went full throttle in making sure that they, you know, their quarterback was going to have a good week one to set him up with the with a good confidence booster to begin their NFL careers. And that's fine. I just don't see that being sustainable for a full 16 games, which is why I don't have the Chiefs or the the New York Jets in the playoffs. I think that both of their quarterbacks have good futures. I think good things will come for their teams in due time. I'm just not going to base it off of a week one win over, you know, a rebuilding Detroit Lions defense and the LA Chargers who are just coming out of the gate slow. So my main message, let's pump the brakes. These teams are taking it slow. The preseason is now week one, week two, maybe even week three of the NFL season. We don't need to overreact to what we're seeing week one. All that being said, I thought it was a good start to the NFL. I thought there were a lot of great positive takeaways to, to you know take from week one moving into week two moving into the rest of the season kind of getting a, a, a general direction of where some of these teams are headed and you know my next guest Jack Fitzpatrick the first guest we have on today is, is a guy that I just you know I, we kind of talked about that we kind of broke down what we saw week one um, kind of you know what we saw out of some of the rookie quarterback premieres maybe not even rookies but you know some of the quarterbacks in their NFL starting debuts um, you know, just per- looking back on week one and analyzing kind of what we saw. So here is uh, our first interview with Jack Fitzpatrick talking about week one of the NFL. All right, so we are now joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, a uh, an NFL guy, a guy that I, I go to school with at James Madison University. Uh, we're in the same major as well. He works with JMU Athletics. Jack, how are you doing today? We're doing great. Uh, tomorrow's a big game day out of nowhere um, for oh, yeah. JMU football, but good good week. Glad to be powering through everything. Yeah, of course. So we're just going to talk about some of the some of the bigger things that happened last week. I'm going to start with uh, your Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, opening week loss to the Denver Broncos. I'm going to be say I'm a, I was a little surprised. I had thought that um, Seattle. You know, Russell Wilson is guaranteed for a team. He, he's like one of those great quarterbacks. It doesn't matter the roster you have around. He'll get you some wins. It's like an Andrew Luck thing, a Carson Wentz at times. Russell Wilson is there. If he's on your team, you can win a few games. But I was surprised by his play. Definitely not the best showing. You know, 19 of 33, he did throw for 298 yards. You have to do that when you don't really have a great rushing attack. Uh, Three touchdowns, but also two interceptions. What was kind of your takeaways from that opening week loss? 
Uh, it was a it was a classic beginning of the season Russell Wilson type of type of game. Mm-hmm. You expect him in the fourth quarter to kind of come up big. As long as you're right. close in the fourth with Russell, you you always have hope in a game, even if you're down twenty. Honestly, mm-hmm. you still have hope that he'll he'll pull it back. But there's just something missing about his game. I think it in part was that Von Miller and the whole Denver Broncos yeah. front seven. You've Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, Shane Ray yeah, as well. A, a You've got a ton of guys yeah, up that, there. Against a Seahawks offensive line that struggling, I yeah, guess well, rebuilding. What was interesting rebuilding. was that I had heard out of preseason that they had been feeling better about the rotation than in years past. You do have um, left tackle Dwayne Brown there, yeah, um, which the traded left from Houston. Side, yeah, left side of the line's short up, but then you look at the right side and yeah. Jr. Sweezy's in for I, I forgot who's technically in front of him on the depth chart, but was injured. So J.R. Sweezy comes back to the Seahawks after a two-year stint with the Bucks, yeah. And he got the start there at, I believe, right guard. And then right tackle was uh, Jermaine Effetti. Yep. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a little rough around <laughs> yeah. the edges still. I think he was our first-round draft pick last season. Yeah. He's still kind of a project. It's not a guy. It was a Tom Cable pick, and Tom Cable's known for picking those offensive linemen that he thinks are going to be he thinks gonna be great. Exactly. And they never pan out, so... He was there, and, and Von Miller had himself a field day, which makes me a little worried about uh, Chicago on Monday night that the Seahawks are yeah, going Exactly, and, and that's the thing, is that if you're in the NFC, you don't have an easy schedule this no. year. I mean, you look at, you know, the, the like you said, the NFC North. Yeah. You've got Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago as well. You look to the South. You've got, you know, the Saints. Um, I mean, I'm not buying stock in the Buccaneers, <laughs> but you also have the Falcons and the Panthers. But then you also look in your division. The 49ers didn't look great. I don't think they look terrible, as everyone's trying they're to say. They're rebuilding. No defense. On the height, on the, on the top end of a rebuild, but they're still in a rebuild. Exactly. And then you have the Los Angeles Rams. And I, I love everything about the Rams except for their linebacking core. I'm going to say the Rams are going to kind of digress a little bit this season. You Just think a step back? You're bringing in Sue. You're bringing in... Uh, did they bring in Aqib Tlaib? Yep, you bring in Aqib Tlaib, Marcus, Marcus Peters... Peters. Just so many of these huge name guys that, yeah. if you look at their past, aren't the best locker room guys. Now, does that mean they're going to get into this locker room and create problems? No, mm-hmm. not necessarily. But I'm just saying their track record is they're a little bit hard to get along with. And when you're bringing in Max Pay, Max Pay, Max Pay, you pay Todd Gurley, Max Pay, other guys in the room, one of the rules is don't talk about money. But you just start to kind of think a little bit there. And I think their locker room cohesion is going to kind of fall off. Mm-hmm. And their window's really small. One, maybe two more years, and then their window's closed because they have to pay Jared Goff. So the Rams are a team that I think are going to digress a little bit this season. But I think it, I think it was your Twitter, your personal Twitter, and you talked about the Bears as your surprise wild card. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm all in on the Bears, man. Ooh. Let me tell you. I'm all in on the Bears, and they remind me a lot of what we saw last year with Los Angeles. You know, they bring in a young head coach in, in you know, Sean McVay, yeah. Matt Nagy, uh, you know, a big guy underneath um, <clears throat> Andy Reid. Andy Reid disciples have done well with offensive yeah. schemes elsewhere. You pair him with a young quarterback, kind of kind of was like a guy like Jared Goff. I'm not a Jared Goff fan, but he's, in a great offensive scheme, he yeah, looks he's, great. He's great. I, I'm not that high on Trubisky. Um, but, but if you give him the tools around exactly. him, you give him a formidable offensive line that can give him three seconds. Exactly. I like the offensive yeah. line. I think Cohen and Jordan Howard are, you know, a top five running back tandem in this league. Okay. You know, as a group, they're yeah. great. I like what they did at receiver. Allen Robinson is going to be a guy later in the season that I think has a bigger impact. He's still coming off the ACL injury, but I think there's time for that. Um, Trey Burton in his tight end, you know, he's not going to be a world beater, but he's a guy to have there. You have receiving options for him. And then on the defense, 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I, everywhere on the defense. You can't find an issue with it. I mean, the linebackers are young. You can say that Roquan Smith is, but he looked great in but his you first have week. Khalil Mack, and that negates any problem you have on that well, defense. Exactly. When you pair him with Leonard Floyd, too, yeah. on the other side. Yeah. If Khalil Mack doesn't play another snap this season, he made all of his money in that first game. What did he it have? Was a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, an interception, return for a touchdown. Sack, tackles, all that stuff. He was all over. He checked. And exactly. Right there, that's his $90 million that was paid so looking at his stats you, you see that and you're like oh the Bears won that game handily right and then of course Aaron Rodgers and exactly I hope he pumped up on quarters <laughs> yeah I mean watch that post game interview man he was jacked up on something he, he, he didn't I didn't see the highlight well I guess the low light of him hurting his leg all I saw was his fourth quarter man but from what I heard it was an injury he should have come back from this well yeah you you walk out I mean you put him in the in the tent and that's scary enough. You think, oh, God, something's up. Then you put him on the cart. The only thing about leaving the stadium on the cart, he was in the front seat. Usually if a guy has a, a leg problem, they're stretching him yeah. out. They're keeping that leg stretched out. But he was, you know, the knee was bent. Everything was there. And that's why I wasn't feeling that it was maybe a season-ending injury. I definitely didn't expect him to come back. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, the Bears, they're, they're, my, they're my wild card team um, as of now. I, what I saw... I, I had the division winners. My two wild card teams were, you know, a mixture of the Packers and Vikings, mm-hmm. and then I also was I was very high on the Atlanta Falcons, and they came out in Week One and they did not look great at all. I had faith that in the second, you know, year of Steve Sarkeesian and his offense there, it would look fine. And seeing the Eagles as their last game of the season, now their first, it, it you looked, have time to prepare for that. You have time to prepare how to score a touchdown. What was it, inside the 10-yard line? Exactly. How, how many chances they I mean, had? They just blew it. On the first drive alone, it was a second and goal, and then on the fourth and goal as well. They had the same formation set up there, and essentially the same play as well. So right off the bat, you know, after watching week one, yeah. after watching Matt Ryan not look that great, they lost Deion Jones and Keon O'Neal for the season. Deion Jones might be able to come back, but that's their two defensive, their yeah, two best defensive players. I'm, I'm selling my stock on the Falcons. They're, they're not making the playoffs. The other teams that I could see getting in there is, is Chicago is my pick, but I wouldn't be surprised. Carolina's front seven is dominant. You yeah. saw them abuse a, a strong power run game in uh, Dallas. So that that's kind of how I see shaping up there. But I wanted to ask you, we saw a ton of... of First-time quarterbacks. Um, you know, if you looked at, at you know the Buffalo Baltimore game, I'm not. I don't really want to go there. We saw Josh Allen. We saw Lamar Jackson. I I, I don't really want to talk about them that much. I think yeah. they were thrown in because it was a shootout was of a, a game. It was a Nathan Peterman game. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's in his first his, <clears throat> his first start throws five interceptions in one half, and his second start just gets obliterated. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was not good. I'm not, I've never been on the Nathan Peterman trade. No, I don't think anyone has except <laughs> exactly. for their head coach, which made no sense because Tyrod Taylor got them to the playoffs. Exactly. But I digress. No, yeah, of course. And so one of the guys that I want to talk about, and this is a guy that I have been high on since the draft. Two years ago, um, Patrick Mahomes was my highest rated quarterback ahead of Deshaun Watson, Trubisky, all those guys in there. And since then, I haven't had a guy graded higher than him. He sits a year behind Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Learns from Andy yeah. Reid, gets a feel for the NFL. He plays that last week in the regular season, and then he comes out in week one, and he looked amazing. What did you see from Pat Mahomes in his week one performance? All I know is that he's my starting quarterback on my fantasy team. Yeah. <laughs> and I just started getting these notifications touchdown, Pat Mahomes, touchdown. And I was like, this kid's popping off All right. out there in Kansas City. But 
just overall, everything I've heard about him, everything I've seen from him, he, he's the real deal. I don't know why he was... He wasn't the... Uh, I don't know why he wasn't the highest-touted quarterback. Well, the problem was with him is that he came from Texas Tech, and if you look at their offense, it's it's a it's lot of... Air raid, right? it, it's, it's the air raid game. offense, and so it, it's very fast-paced. You're yeah. really not running that, that many NFL pro-style schemes. So people were thinking, yes, he's got the big arm, he's got the big body, he's athletic, but we haven't seen him operate an NFL offense, so we don't know how it's going to work. Well, when you put him with a guy, <laughs> Andy Reid, one of the best play yeah. callers... Maybe of of, of the last you know couple decades, it's a, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah. And 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 then you, my biggest thing with the Chiefs this year is that you have a Tyreek Hill, and last year when you had Alex Smith at quarterback, he's not a guy that is necessarily going to take that many chances down the field. He's a very guy. He's a guy that Dip likes to stay within just, yeah. exactly. It's the short games. Five yard, six yard, three yard first down. And then occasionally he'll hit yeah. that uh, deep Tyreek bomb. But Pat Mahomes has a cannon of an arm, and you just saw it time and time again. He was just letting Tyreek run past the defenders and just hit him open for sixty-plus yard yeah. touchdowns. Like, like when you have when you have the combination of Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Kareem Hunt, and you don't really use Travis Kelsey or Kareem Hunt in Week One, and you still blow out what is considered a top defense yeah. of the Chargers. I think that this team has uh, the chance of being one of you know the highest scoring offenses in the NFL. It was kind of, I, I see this being what we saw from Atlanta two years ago. When their offense is just clicking, yeah. everything, you can't stop them. They're going to be the surprise team. If they make it to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be hugely surprised. Yeah. Just because, yeah, their offense is everything there, but their defense, not, it's still, no, it's, still it, it's, it's, it's empty. It's empty. They got rid of everyone. Yeah. They got rid of the older guys that they had there. They got rid of Marcus Peters. Of course, you have Eric Berry coming back from the torn Achilles. The defense Eric is a work in progress. Career for him. Yeah, <laughs> but, crazy. But like, yeah, you let Marcus <coughs> Peters go. They don't have the solidified defense to win a Super Bowl, but that's not to say in two to three years they will, they'll they might have it. Yeah, so exactly. Might be a, they might have their window maybe open for the next five to six years. And that's the thing when you have a franchise quarterback and you have him on your rookie contract and you have him while he's young, you don't need to worry about the and, offensive side of the ball ever for the next five six years. We've seen that in Carson Wentz, the Eagles tool up everywhere around him. Jared exactly. Goff, they didn't win a Did playoff it. game, but they're tooling up around him heavily. You see with Russell Wilson. Wilson. Andrew Luck as well. Andrew, I mean, Yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck in his until his weird it, injury yeah. time. But mm-hmm. his beginning of his career was, was crazy. Uh, I can't think of any other quarterbacks that had extreme success on their, their rookie deal, but that rookie deal, especially when you just strike gold in, in a Russell Wilson who is a third-round pick. Mm, exactly. It's so much cheaper. It's cheap, yeah. Like kind of with what the Cowboys thought they had in Dak, but yeah. if you want to get onto the Dak Yeah, topic, let's go but, there because let me tell you, you know, my biggest thing with the Cowboys, I actually thought that they had a pretty good preseason. I liked what we were seeing in, on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. I think they made a lot of improvements. I still completely understand that there is no receiving options there at tight end as well. I, I, was, a, I was a believer that Zeke would – you know they would just go all in just on the run 30, game, 30 and it would, and you know Zeke would lead the league in rushing. I yeah. thought that they could make it somewhere in in an NFC East that is going to be very competitive this year. But man, Dak looks bad. He was a guy that I'm looking at now, and I and I look at his game, and and there's a lot going on with him differently. He's changed up his throwing motion a lot. He's a third round pick. <laughs> Yeah, he's a third-round pick that hit his peak in one season, and it hasn't looked good since. No, I'm a strong believer that you, for the most part, of course, there's going to be exceptions to this rule, but you're drafted where you are for a reason. Dak was a third-round pick for a reason, mm. and 
he's showing that now. I kind of don't want that to be true because I'd like to see him have yeah, success. Yeah, I, I don't. I never want to root against yeah, players. But but he was a third round pick. There were there were question marks around his game coming exactly. out of coming out of a Mississippi State, mm-hmm. and his first season, we all just stood back and were like, wow. But we didn't take into the fact that he had. Um, the best offensive line, arguably in the history of the NFL, yeah. that one season. Zeke just was going off. Exactly. That season. Zeke should have been rookie of the year. Yeah. To give it to Dak Prescott is kind of just a disgrace. And I think at the end of their careers, when you look at them, yeah. you're going to look at these careers and be like, you know, I mean, even looking at it now, Zeke should have been rookie of the year that year. I think he got snubbed. You know, I, Dak was able to do so much. Because of the fact yeah, that when you're Zeke, stacking the box, when you have eight guys in the box to exactly. stop Zeke, you have man coverage on the outside one on one, and when one of them's Des Bryant, who was coming down from the peak but was mm-hmm. still pretty solid receiver who could get a jump ball, you have Jason Witten, who's going to stretch, who's going to be on a linebacker most likely coming exactly. out of it. So you just have favorable matchups across the board. And now he's having to bear the brunt of it, and he's he's showing that as of right now, he's not a franchise quarterback who can make things work with lesser talent. Exactly. And and that kind of, you know, brings me to this last guy that I want to talk about. And, you know, coming out of this year's draft, I put a lot of emphasis on looking at the quarterbacks in this year's draft. And when I had my top five quarterbacks, I had Sam Darnold between that four and five range of the class. I never thought that he, I, I don't think that he's going to be a world-class talent. He's going to be a top five quarterback a few years from now. I never thought he was going to be terrible. You know, you're a first-round quarterback. You you should have a good career. You should be good. Exactly. You should be able to do some yeah. things. And so I thought that, you know, it was reasonable for him to come out in week one. And he looked pretty good. I'm not going to sit here and say that it was amazing. I thought his, a lot of things... His first throw was a pick six. Well, yeah. And, a bad decision that you throw across your body without setting your feet. Right there, that's a bad decision. Yeah. You can't really make up for that. Yeah, get a couple good dimes for the rest of the game, but... Bad decision-making there. Exactly, and that's the thing. He's going to have that all year. He's yeah. going to have that the first two years of his career, maybe even three. It's going to be a lot of interceptions. It's kind of, you know, great quarterbacks throw interceptions. Andrew Luck, in his first three years, he led the, a bad Colts team to 11-5 and five records three years in a row and threw a ton of interceptions. Oh, yeah. That just, it, it happens. I He's going to have a lot of turnovers this year. I You know, I'm not that high on, uh, on on the Jets this season. I'm not that high on Sam Darnold. I just think you look at this game one and people are calling this, you know, it's been the most overblown storyline of this opening week. It's the Jets have their franchise quarterback. It's Broadway Sam. He's going to lead them to greatness. And it was a Detroit defense that, you know, A, I don't like their talent. I don't like their talent up front. I think that's why they were able to do okay against a, a, a bad, um, you know, the, the Jets have a bad offensive line. Secondary is okay. But also, I, I look at that, New England coordinators, when they go to head coaching jobs, never have that much success. So you got a guy that yeah. goes into Detroit, and it looked bad his week one, and you're like, okay, this is another storyline. I'm, I'm not buying into the hype uh, of I, Sam yeah, Darnold. You're playing it against a Lions team that, like you said, Patriots coordinators don't have a good track record. But also, it is a first-year head coach, outside the fact that it's Patriots coordinator. Exactly. That this defense is learning a completely new scheme. Also, they have no film on Sam Darnold. Nothing. So they're going blind in this game of, I don't know what I'm getting. It's a new Jets team, so you can't even really use any film from last season. So you're just kind of, as the Lions going in, and just saying, I hope what we have works tonight. And clearly it didn't. And I think yeah. I think Matt, Matt Patricia will be a, a great coach. I think mm-hmm. he, he has yeah. the, all the essential tools. 
However, um, I don't know if it's with the Lions just because the Lions are such a snake-bitten franchise. Exactly, and that's the thing that I think, I think just from hearing what we've been talking about today, I've said Pat Mahomes came out here and tore apart a top defense, and I think he's the next greatest thing where I'm not as high on Sam Darnold. You're right. There was no pro film on Sam Darnold. You had a few preseason games. But preseason's preseason. Exactly. And and last year, Pat Mahomes' first career start was against the Chargers in Week 17. So he's literally played against that defense before. Yeah. Had all this time. You know, the Chargers knew that he was the starter when they yeah. got rid of Alex Smith. They were preparing for that. Yeah. And he still lit them up. So I think that's the biggest thing looking between these two guys, why I think that they're on completely different paths in their careers. And I'm, I'm a much more confident in Pat Mahomes than I am in Sam Darnold. Yeah, Sam, but I think Sam Darnold, looking at this rookie QB class, I think this was a really hyped QB class, an overhyped QB class, because I don't think Josh Allen is going to do great things mm-hmm. in Buffalo. I don't think Josh Rosen's going to have that great of a time in Arizona. Lamar Jackson is my favorite quarterback mm-hmm. out of this Interesting. class. But I don't think he'll be good for another year or two. Yeah. So there was a lot of hype going into this class, and I think Darnold is the best quarterback hmm. that came out of that he was, class. He was your favorite. But it's just not that great of a class. Yeah, no, I understand that. And I, I like I said, I, I thought there were five worthy yeah, quarterbacks of being in the first ones. round. But good ones, no great ones. There exactly. was no Andrew Luck. There was no, I know RG3's kind of washed up at this point yeah. in the news, but he was a... Big thing coming out of Even last year. I, I wouldn't have... I would have... Josh Allen was my number one quarterback. I would have had him above Trubisky, but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put any of the other guys above last year's class, and I wouldn't necessarily put any of them above Goff or Wentz. I think that they were kind of, you know, like you said, uh, because there were five of them that were so close to each other, yeah. I wasn't ready to, you know, say that, oh, well, they're that's so close to each other. Exactly. Yeah. That's not it. It's just the fact that, you know, they're kind of close, so you're going to take them because... You know, it's a steep drop off from five to six. I don't even remember who the sixth quarterback oh, taken was. He's in Pittsburgh. Uh, Mason Rudolph. Mason he's Rudolph. Wasn't he Oklahoma State's quarterback? Yes. Yep. Yep. But yeah, such a. Drop. It's a huge drop off. So you know, I, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, I, I'm hoping to have you on here a bunch more this season. Um, I'd like to, uh, you know, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to get you on here, but maybe make this a staple every week. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that one. All right, great. Well, that was Jack Fitzpatrick. Uh, you know, you can catch him. Where, let's let's give your, where's your Twitter handle? Where can we find you? Um, everyone follow me at F-I-T-Z all the way, Fitz all the way. Um, also, a little plug for JMU Sports Newsletter, if you guys mm-hmm. enjoy JMU Sports. A friend of ours, Bennett Conlon, started this, and... I'm helping him run the graphics and the uh, the social media for that, and we'd appreciate a big follow on that one. Um, and that's really all I have right now. Maybe more as the season goes on. Exactly. I'll, I'll plug my websites and things like that. But there we go. we'll see if I, I can get around to those yeah, projects. Yeah, definitely. Well, we thank, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Thank you, sir. All right, thanks. Another great discussion with Jack. I always like talking with him about the NFL, and I think he had a pretty good understanding of kind of where some of these teams are headed, um, kind of what we saw from week one. Now looking into next week, we're going to kind of just project what we're seeing out of some of the bigger matchups. I, you know, I took a look at the you know New York Giants versus the Cowboys, which is on Sunday night, AFC Championship re- uh, rematch between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New England Patriots. And then our last game of the week was uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who we just talked about with Jack and Pat Mahomes taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two. I hope you interview, uh, enjoyed this interview. It's with Kevin Haswell. Uh, just talking about week two of the NFL. 
All right, so we are now joined by Kevin Haswell, uh, online managing editor over here at The Breeze, the newspaper I work with at James Madison University. Uh, he is also a writer for Big Blue View, uh, the Giants site within SB Nation. Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I've been taking a break from the podcast grind, but it's, it's good to be back on your show. Um, well, I guess this is my first time on your show. Exactly. So, um, Welcome in. You. Um, you know, I'm excited to talk some football today, talk about the Giants, you know. Uh, I think they got some potential this year, so I'm ready. Yeah, well, let's jump right there because, you know, it was an interesting week. A lot of people thought, you know, just from looking at their week one performance against the Jags, where they ended up losing, I thought that despite how bad things looked at times with Eli Manning and through the offense and, and you know, how the Jags were still able to put up points, I know there was also a pick six in there as well. I thought the Giants played pretty well for their season debut with, you know, a lot of new pieces together, a new, you know, play caller, new head coach, Odell's back, new running back, new left side of the O-line. What was your assessment of the Giants in week one? You know, I, I still think Eli Manning's holding them back. I mean, you looked on offense, he only threw for, two, threw for 224 yards, did not throw a touchdown, uh, was sacked twice. Uh, but I did like Saquon Barkley. You know, he looked really good in his uh, NFL debut. 18 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. And Odell Beckham, you know, highest paid receiver in the game now. 11 catches, 111 yards. Um, you know, I, I like the uh, receiving core they got going with Shepard, Odell Beckham. You got Evan Ingram at tight end. Um, and then, you know, I think Saquon's going to show that he's, you know, a good back out of the backfield. I think this was a game that the Giants probably should have won. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had their opportunities um, down the stretch of the game. And, you know, that's the thing with this Giants offense is that even when they were clicking and they were winning games, made it to the playoffs two years ago, it was such a bland offense. Um, it, it was a ton of 11 personnel, one tight end, one running back, and it, it was Odell lining up in the same spot, running the same slant 80% of the time. I mean, right here, I, I got this note from Warren Sharp's season preview, and if you haven't looked at that book, make sure to check it out. It literally has. Have you, have you heard of this guy? No. Oh, my God. He has the Bible of the NFL from, like, last year. It's all into advanced analytics, all that stuff like that. 23% of Odell Beckham's targets last year and the year before were on a deep pass, which only resulted in a 31% completion rate. Now, that's, of course, a lot of the play design, but also Eli couldn't get him the ball deep, so that might still be a problem. But now when you bring in Pat Shermer on offense, you're going to get a lot more, you know, 12 personnel. you got two, you know, two tight ends, one running back. And you're going to have Barkley in the backfield. You've got Evan Ingram, Rhett Ellison at tight end. You can take a ton of more shots down the field with Odell, which will not only get Odell opportunities way down the field for longer touchdowns, but also open up some of the shorter routes to the tight ends, Barkley out of the backfield. I think, you know, going on in the year, you'll see more of him in the receiving game. And, you know, everyone seems to be saying that the Giants are kind of doomed. I understand. Eli will hold them back a bit, but I think with just having the guys back on offense and finally having a... a a, a progressive, offensive-minded guy, I think the Giants are in a much better place than they, they were last year or the year before. Yeah, definitely. You know, coming into the season, I've kind of defended the Giants. Uh, I mean, you look at the team they're, they're bringing back last year, big gap was in that running back position. They go yeah. out, and Saquon Barkley might someday be the best running back in the NFL. He's got the talent to do so, at Easily. least. Um, and then you get back a healthy Odell Beckham. Sterling Shepard had some issues with injuries last year. Um, and, you know, you get Eli Manning back with some weapons. I think, you know, while he's not as good as most quarterbacks in the NFL, I think with those weapons he'll be able to, you know, hold down the fort. Um, you know, I can see this Giants team winning 8-10 to 10 games this year. I mean, theoretically this could be a game that they look back at. This week one loss, 20-15 to 15 against the Jaguars. It would be one that they look back at and one that cost them a playoff spot. Um, you know, if they get to that 9 win, they need 10 wins to make the playoffs in a tough NFC. 
Um, difficult loss against a really good you know defensive team, uh, but I have a lot of faith in this Giants team. I think uh, they could win eight to ten games this year, uh, but I think it all comes down to Eli Manning. Exactly what you're going to get out of him, and I agree. I think this team is a team that you know, depending on how the NFC shapes out, could be fighting for that division. I think Philadelphia definitely takes a step back. Um, just all around, I, I don't see them having the same momentum that they had last year. Um, and, you know, a, another team that we're going to talk about right now because they play the Giants this week is the Dallas Cowboys. You know, what we saw out of them week one was pretty much terrible. I, I had Jack on earlier in the show. We were talking about Dak's performance, kind of the team in general. And now you look at the Giants versus the Cowboys this week, Sunday night. Um, and I'm feeling a lot better about the Giants than I'm in the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, uh, I think the Giants definitely have the advantage uh, this weekend. I mean, Dak Prescott just did not look good last At week. All. I watched most of the game. I mean, he couldn't even hit a short out route. No. I mean, 19 for 29 completions, uh, 170 yards, no touchdowns. You know, when he's you know, not able to even complete short passes, it puts a lot more pressure on Ezekiel Elliott in that backfield. You know, they can stack the box a little bit more. And, you know, he did a pretty good job. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry in the game, 15 carries for 69 yards, including the Cowboys' only touchdown. But really, you know, I'm I'm not hot on the Cowboys. I think they could win, you know, six, seven games this year, and I think they're going to struggle. I mean, I think the sophomore year Dak Prescott was much more indicative of what we're going to get out of him than the rookie year Dak Prescott. Um, You know, I, I, I just don't see... Cowboys being really in that mix in the NFC. Which is unfortunate because when you've got, you know, a good offensive line, I am a fan of their defensive front seven. Um, and then, you know, it comes down to the quarterback and his wide receivers. It's kind of like what you saw with Jacksonville last year. When you have Blake Bortles at quarterback, and, you know, I, I've ranted about Bortles enough of how I think he's, you know, one of the worst starting quarterbacks in football. Um, you look at him, any defense could just stack nine guys in the box and say, all right, we're going to bet that Blake Bortles won't be able to beat us in the passing game. Teams can do that against Dallas, and that's what Carolina basically said to Dallas week one. They're like, we're going to stuff the box. We're going to try and limit Zeke as best we can, and even if he does give up a few yards here and maybe we give up a few yards to Dak, we're going to just come out and punch in the face. One thing I wanted to ask you is, what? because I know we love gambling, yeah. What what would you guess right now, without looking at the line, what would you guess uh, Bovada has for the Giants and Cowboys game? Three-point favorites, the Giants. Three-point favorites to the Cowboys. Wow. In, so, in Dallas? In Dallas. So it's essentially that it's the home, home field, field advantage. advantage. So it's basically they're just calling it right there. Is that's basically what it is. But, you know. I would definitely take the, the Cowboys plus on that. I mean, yeah. you, you really... Watched the Cowboys last week. They couldn't move the ball at all against you know. You know the Panthers have a pretty good defense, but it's not it's not amazing. Um, you know I think the Cowboys should have been able to move the ball last week, and I, I think the Cowboys defense is going to have trouble slowing down Saquon and Odell. So I mean yeah, I'm not going to say it's going to be you know a high scoring affair, but I could see you know a 20 to 17, 17 14 type game and uh, in the favor of the Giants. Exactly. It'll it'll be a, you know. It'll be a good game. It's not going to be a walk away for the Giants. I do think that the Giants come out and win that matchup. Um, one of the games that's also very interesting this week is an AFC Championship rematch between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New England Patriots. 
Um, I, I'll be honest, I haven't gotten to watch much of the replay from the Texas, uh, the Texans-Patriots game. I watch bits and pieces here, but I plan on watching it before Sunday. Um, but I did watch a lot of Giants-Jaguars, you know, Jaguars. and it, if I'm looking at that team and the Jaguars, I understand I, I, I gave a lot of credit to the Giants, but the Jaguars' defense still doesn't look like you can move on them. And the Patriots lost a, a ton of guys that they had last year when they were playing in that AFC Championship game. How do you kind of see this matchup kind of playing out this week? You know, I really could see the Patriots winning by two touchdowns. I mean, they looked really good last week against a Texans team that had Deshaun Watson back, uh, had all their talent healthy, had J.J. Watt back for the first time in a while. And the Patriots still looked really good without Julian Edelman. I I could see, you know, the Patriots winning by a touchdown or more. Um, you know, Jacksonville, I have a lot of respect for them. I have a lot of respect for that defense. It's just the offense. I, I don't know how it, it came down to this last year. I mean, you saw it. Uh, in the playoffs, they, they could not produce on the offset, offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. The defense, you know, got the job done most of the time. And I just, you know, against a team like the Patriots where you kind of have to outscore them, yeah. I just don't see it happening. Well, that was the fall, that, the, the, the breaking point in, in the AFC Championship is that the Jaguars took that lead and they say, right, we don't have faith in our offense to put up points. We're going to run it conservative and try you know, our best for our defense to hold the Patriots down. And that's not the way to beat the Patriots. I mean, the Eagles didn't beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl by just, you know, playing conservatively. They went for it on fourth and short. They they pushed for always scoring touchdowns in every drive. They pulled out all the, you know, the tricks out of the bag to kind of beat them, and that's how they walked away with that win. Jacksonville, they don't have that much faith in their passing offense. And now you look, Leonard Fournette is a little banged up. His, you know, injury, we don't know what's going to happen if he's going to be playing or not. It is back in Jacksonville, so I do feel like you know you get to play in their home territory after playing in New England in the AFC Championship game. I think we're going to get a really good game. Um, I, the, the Patriots lost a lot of talent. They lost a lot on their offensive line, but also the, the, the way they replenished that offensive line, they held a Texans front seven pretty well. You know, a guy that, a team that's loaded up front, Whitney Merciless, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, they kept Brady upright. They get the ball out early. My, you know... I want to go with the Jaguars on this. I want to say that the Jags pull this out. But, you know, I I don't like betting against the Patriots. It's not a good way to go. Um, You know, I have faith that they'll be able to, like in the AFC Championship game, keep Brady upright, limit, you know, the, the effect that the Jacksonville defense can have on the Patriots. And I probably would say New England walks away with that win. Yeah, and, you know, you even look at the Patriots' defense, um, in their week one win. I mean, they held Deshaun Watson to a 50% completion rate, uh, 17 for 34 passing, only 176 yards passing. Um, you know, they, they really played well in the passing game. And uh, Tom Brady, I mean, he was as great as usual, 26 to 39 passing for 277 and three touchdowns. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the Jaguars defense and I like the opportunity that they give, you know, that team to win games. I mean, they keep them in games. Mm-hmm. The offense is going to need to win this game. Though. Yeah. There's some games where the defense can can straight up win. Like but last in week. this one, they're going to need a performance out of Blake Bortles. They're going to need you know a couple touchdown passes. I you know I don't see this game being settled in the teens. It's going to be in the upper twenties, and uh, you know I think it's going to be tough for the Jaguars to pull that off. Exactly. I think we both agree on that. And then the the one last game that I kind of want to bring up with you before we wrap this up. My favorite guy in the NFL. You know he's been my favorite. You know sleeper quarterback, whatever you want to call it. I've, I've had him as one of my favorite quarterbacks over the last three drafts. Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs finally gets the starting job this past offseason, goes to play the Los Angeles Chargers week one, and destroys what is considerably one of the better defenses in football. Um, I, I believe that the match between him 
Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill is going to create one of the more you know electrifying offenses in NFL history and now this week they go and play another team the Pittsburgh Steelers who you know you know they had their issues week one I don't think that's a showing of what their team is going to be like in you know the rest of this season they actually were my pick to make it to the AFC championship game um, but you know it didn't look great all around they have James Conner they don't have Le'Veon Bell um, they did throw it had caused a lot they had a lot of turnovers on uh, offensively so now I look at this game and I'm just trying to figure out where I you know am I putting my trust in the young guy with the offensive-minded coach that's going to game plan the shit out of the the Steelers defense or am I taking the fact that both sides of the ball the Steelers have more talent and they'll be able that'll be able to mask whatever issues they may have internally yeah you know I think this is going to be a big test for Patrick Mahomes this week Mm -hmm. I mean last week great game but it's one game it's it's his first you know career start yeah 15 of 27 passing, obviously 256 and four touchdowns. Great performance, but you know he's going to have to go on the road to Pittsburgh, one of the most difficult places to play in the league, and play Big Ben, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown. I mean, James Conner was really good last game. This is a really intriguing matchup. I think Mahomes struggles a little bit more this time around, just because you know it's you know he had a great week last week. Completion percentage wasn't amazing. No. Um, but you know, he, he's a gunslinger. He's gonna he's gonna overthrow exactly. receivers. He's gonna make some dumb decisions. But I, I like his play and I like his fit in this offense. The the thing that's a, that is the most telling about you know how we shouldn't have been surprised about the Chiefs coming out here is Andy Reid's track record when he has more than you know a week to prepare for a team. Coming off a of bye week in his career, he is thirteen and one. When he is given more than a week to prepare for his next opponent, he destroys teams. Um, so, you know, you take a look. He's at the whole offseason. His last game last year was against the Chargers. They get the same opponent this week. Yes, the Chargers get to game plan for Mahomes, but Andy Reid spends all that time and kind of plays a, a, into it. So now he's got a shortened time schedule to plan for Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh's defense, I like. I know the Browns still came out there and tied, but it, it was such a mess of a game. The weather was all over the place. You have the internal drama with Le'Veon Bell. He's not coming back again this week, so you kind of just have to move on without him. Um, and, you know, for Pittsburgh, I think that they're a very promising team. They're a team that, you know, kind of just falls short every time. You, you, you hold them to a high standard, and they kind of find ways to, to screw you over, essentially. They lose to Jacksonville um, in the playoffs last year. They come out week one, a ton of penalties, a ton of turnovers, and they, lose, they, they tie with the Cleveland Browns, who haven't won since, you know, two seasons ago. So, you know, this matchup is going to be something very intriguing. If, the, if, if there was a way that you were going to go with this game right now, how would you kind of see that playing out? You know, I think the Steelers are going to end up winning this game. Yeah. Uh, they're playing at home. You know, I like the way I, I – I liked what I saw out of James Conner last week. Not his hair, but I liked, <laughs> I liked his game play. Um, yeah. But, you know, last week they, he was the workhorse for them with 31 carries. Um, you know, the offense, to, you know, didn't really slow down a beat mm-hmm. uh, with Juju and Antonio Brown on the, you know, the edges. And Big Ben had a pretty good game. I, I just don't see the Steelers losing at home. Uh, I think the Chiefs are a great team. I think they're going to end up making playoffs. But, you know, going to Pittsburgh is not going to be easy. I got the Steelers. Yeah, I would have to I would have to say I agree with that. I think the, the biggest thing with the Chiefs, and it was – I was kind of surprised that they walked away beating Los Angeles the way they did – because their defense, I, there's not many guys I really like on it. Um, you know, Eric Berry is coming off his Achilles injury, but they, they traded away Marcus Peters. They got rid of all their older veterans on the team. That defense is extremely bare. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the Chargers offense. I think Melvin Gordon is set for a good year. I think Keenan Allen is, 
in that upper echelon of wide receivers. And I think Philip Rivers still got a lot left in the tank. But then you turn around and you give him Antonio Brown. You give him James Conner in that offensive line. You give him Juju Smith-Schuster. You give him Big Ben. Um, I, I just think that it's going to be a bigger uh, problem for the Chiefs this week and with less time to prepare offensively. I'd have to say I agree that, that the, the Steelers will pull out that win. Yeah, I mean, uh, another thing, the, the last thing I want to say is I think the Chiefs are going to need a bigger performance out of Kareem Hunt. Only ran for 49 yards last week on three yards per carry. I mean, they're going to need more out of him, uh, especially in this type of game where you, you're going into Pittsburgh. You're going to need to set up the passing game a little bit with a good running game. And, you know, 49 yards on 16 carries just doesn't do it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if he doesn't get over 50 yards in this game, I think the Chiefs are yeah. all the yeah, exactly. Well, I agree. So uh, thank you for coming on, Kevin. It's It's been a good, you know, first week of football. I'm excited to sit back and watch week two as well. Uh, you know, where can we find you on your social media? What else do you want to plug for us real quick before we uh, we send it off? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Haswell. Um, you know, check out Blake's awesome content on The Breeze on Jamie oh, yeah. Football. And uh, keep listening to this podcast. I know Blake puts in a lot of work. Um, and, you know, I'm sure I'll be back on to drop some more knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Kevin's in the office on Wednesdays, so he has no choice if I can just force him into the office for a few minutes. But, Kevin, I appreciate you coming on, and we'll have you back on soon for sure. Yep, thanks. Always a pleasure having Kevin on. I really like his insight, especially with the New York Giants, kind of just his, you know, landscape, his understanding of the NFL. Um, but, you know, that'll wrap it up for this week. I, you know, a big thanks to Jack and Kevin for coming on to the show. I hope you go, you know, follow them on Twitter, check out all their content. They really do some amazing things, not just around JMU where we're at, but also, you know, professionally with the NFL as well. Um, that'll wrap it up for this show this week. We will catch you next week. As always, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at, and follow me on Twitter at Blake Andrew Pace. Um, you know, make sure to, you know, leave a comment on the, on the episode. If you like it, share it, show your friends. Um, and we'll see you next week on another episode of the Blake Pace podcast.